Next on ReachMD, Voices from American Medicine, featuring perspectives, challenges, and triumphs from physicians currently in practice in the front lines of healthcare. Now here is the host of Voices from American Medicine, Gary Epstein. Physicians are typically pretty atypical. Varied interests, passion, curiosity. Maybe those character traits are really what is typical about physicians. Our guest today is radiation oncologist serving as medical director of Anderson Regional Cancer Center in Meridian, Mississippi. But he has also served the Navy as a diving medical officer and paints, writes, acts, and does music. I'd like to welcome to our Voices from American Medicine series, Russell Scott Anderson. Thanks. I'm happy to be here. It's great to have you. Before we get into some of your many varied and interesting activities, I'd love to talk a little bit about your practice and what brought you to Mississippi in the first place. It is one of those things that wasn't intended. I was in San Diego. I was the medical director of the cancer facility out there at the Naval Hospital at San Diego and went to a New Year's party one night and my former partner convinced me to go with her to Mississippi, and that was about 18 years ago. I committed to come for one year, and I never left. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your practice there in in Mississippi? We're a comprehensive cancer center. We're a regional cancer center. We provide care for approximately 50 miles in any direction. We have a population base that we serve of between three and 400,000 patients that are in this region, smaller communities. Our town is only probably about 45,000, 50,000 in the town itself, but we serve the surrounding community. And is this community a, sort of an underserved population or uninsured, or yeah, I'd love a little texture around the population in general? Well, in general, Mississippi is 50th yeah. in the United States and about everything, including the number of physicians per patient. And that's really one of the reasons why I was able to be convinced to come here is because it was the most underserved state in the union in terms of radiation oncology services at that time. We have a lot of indigent patients. We certainly have a lot of Medicaid patients. We have really a large number of unhealthy patients. We're the fattest state in the country. We're the poorest state in the country. We have the worst diabetes, you know, the worst hypertension It's just one of those places where you have a tremendous opportunity to make a difference. Well, and clearly you felt a connection to that population in that I know, at least I understand you, intended to stay for a year and have now been there for many, many more than that. Tell us a little bit about that decision to stay. For a large part, it's a wonderful place to raise your family. And I got married after I decided to come here, and then shortly after we got here, we started getting children. We started off with my son by a prior marriage, and then we were doing the kind of infertility things, and my wife kept saying prayers, you know, could we, asking God, could we get a baby, and then the children started to come. We ended up getting seven kids we raised, and in fact, we got five kids in 11 months. Her sister died, and we had adopted a little girl, and then she got pregnant, and then my other son came to live with us. So we went from having no kids to having seven kids in a very short period of time. And it's a wonderful community to raise children in and to be a part of. 
I'd love to know a little bit about radiation oncology. So I think that's an interesting specialty. Can you tell us more about it? Well, radiation oncology is the utilization of ionizing radiation for the treatment of malignant processes. We do a lot of computer-based work. A lot of what we do is based on the planning, and the planning is very, very time and labor intensive. It takes a lot of support staff and a lot of really expensive equipment to run a radiation oncology center, so there aren't that many around. And, you know, they're not very portable since you have to contain the radiation in vaults with three-foot-thick concrete walls. It's not the sort of thing that you're going to see in smaller communities. So in an underserved population like Mississippi, you have to be able to serve a relatively large geographic area, which means that the patients have to travel. That's one of the limiting factors, I think, for a lot of people, is that especially as things like gas prices reach 350 a gallon, it becomes cumbersome and burdensome for them to be able to get to the radiation treatments. One of the things we've done here in Meridian is we started a charity called the Cancer Patient Benevolence Fund. It's largely supported by the nurses and former cancer patients in our community and our local news media, and we raise money to give to our indigent and needy patients so that they can use it. They could use it for a wig or they could use it for a breast prosthesis or gas or heat. If it's cold and they don't have money for heat, they can use it for really anything that they need money for during the period of time they're under treatment. But that's one of the ways that we have found to kind of give back to the community and to be able to allow our patients to be able to get the treatment that they need. What kinds of activities do you guys do to raise funds for that? Sometimes they sell cookbooks or they sell T-shirts or they, one of our local news anchors, John Johnson, he runs a marathon and people contribute money on his behalf. And he, he's been very wonderful. He's done three marathons in three years for us. And uh, this year, they had four members of their local news staff go out and run the New Orleans Marathon and raise money and, and give it all to the Cancer Patient Benevolence Fund. What a terrific way to give back to those patients that are in the most critical need. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Voices from American Medicine on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Gary Epstein, and joining me today is radiation oncologist Russell Scott Anderson from Meridian, Mississippi. Dr. Anderson, I was curious about the relationship that you have with Anderson Hospital. Is that connected to the cancer center? And are you the same Anderson that started that and founded that? Or Well, to some degree, I'm the same Anderson that started the cancer center, but not the one that was involved with the hospital. Originally, when I came here in 1992, the cancer center was called Meridian Radiation Oncology Center and was separate from the hospital. And I worked here until 1999 when we were able to arrange for the hospital to purchase the cancer center and upgrade it and bring it up really into being a state-of-the-art facility as, you know, as good as anything anywhere. Uh, They've been very, very generous in how they've spent money for us, and I think that we have served them well in return. With that said, I've become more involved over the years with Anderson Hospital. I just, I'm their 
immediate past chief of staff, and I've been involved with them more extensively, certainly since 1999. I'd like to also talk a little bit about this notion of being a diving medical officer. I know that that's the description that I have from your time in the military, and it'd be really interesting to hear more about what that is and what you did. Well, when I went through, there were two career paths of that. You could either go work in submarines and go out on ballistic nuclear submarines, or you could go into the diving community. And I elected to go into the diving community. You get training in both things. So you have extensive training in physics and, you know, nuclear propulsion and nuclear weaponry, radiation health and safety, all those sorts of things you have to learn. And then you go to dive school to learn to support diving operations as well. And I was initially assigned to Commander EOD Group 2 in in Virginia Beach, Virginia. It was at Fort Story at that time. And then the person I relieved, Jim Jameson, was in charge of, uh, he went over to the SEALs, to Spec War. And he jumped out of an airplane with a parachute and hit a big rock and broke his leg in enough places that to evacuate him, they had to strap his leg to his head. So he was kind of out of commission. So I ended up serving in both roles for a while. So I deployed around the world in support of diving operations with EOD, with salvage divers, with SEALs. I worked with Green Berets. I even had the opportunity to work with people like the Secret Service and the New York Police Department on various different operations. I was in the Middle East and in Central America at different times during that. And do you actually dive, or are you on the ship treating patients that come in from a dive? I think now more people are on the ship, but at that time, we did all the operations, and we dove. We tended to try to be the last diver of the day, so that way if we got killed, at least they could get somebody else in there to help, or if you broke yourself, that you wouldn't hold up diving operations. So you were also jumping out of planes like uh, the colleague that you replaced. (laughs) And that's just part of getting somewhere. Helicopters and airplanes and submarines are like taxi cabs to the Navy. So they just, they expect you to, you know, they might go down to about 40 feet off the water with a helicopter and say, well, it's time for you to jump out. And that's your stop. So you, you jump out. You kind of just get used to doing those sorts of things. What was your most recent sort of active participation with the military in this role? I've been out of that since I came here. I left the diving community and then went into radiation oncology because of my background in physics. And then from there, went to the Naval Hospital in San Diego. So when I left the Navy, I was serving as the medical director of radiation oncology at the Naval Hospital in San Diego. And then with all of that, (laughs) that background from treating patients and jumping out of planes, you've managed to find the time to write a couple of novels, uh, to paint, to raise seven children. Tell us about how you're managing to juggle all of those balls. You know, you pick what you want to do. You have to involve your children. I had a son that was interested in film. He served uh, four years in the Navy. He served in both the support of both Afghanistan and Iraq. And when he got out of the Navy, he did, out of his 48 months in the Navy, he did 40 of them at sea and underway and in support of operations. And so when he got out, he wanted to work in the the movie industry. So he was 
out in Los Angeles doing some of that, and I got the opportunity to put together a writing team. So we wrote a screenplay and went out and hired a crew and hired actors and got financial backing and made a film called Teary Sockets and took it on the festival circuit. It was a way for me to do things with him that I might not have otherwise been able to do. And kind of you pick what you're doing to serve where you are in your life. As far as painting my little daughter who's 12, she loves to paint. And about half the time that I've painted over the last few years, I painted with her on my left knee. And most of our paintings are collaborative paintings, and she'll paint parts of it or alter parts of it, and then I work on it some, and that's how we paint. As far as writing, that's a more solitary endeavor, and I tend to do that because I don't sleep a lot. Dr. Anderson, if you were to tell or sort of share your voice and your experience with other doctors out there, particularly on how you've managed to juggle these balls, you're really fostering your creative side while at the same time managing a very busy practice. Tell us how you would recommend others do that. So many docs have those similar interests and are struggling with the busy schedule. The best advice I can give you is, is do what you want to at that time. You know, you're going to have something you really want to be doing then. Do it. Don't keep putting it off. Everybody has a book they'd like to write, but they just never get around to writing it. You just have to make the determination that today I'm going to start writing a book. Or, you know, it's like making a movie. Today we're going to start writing a movie or, or whatever it is you're going to do. If you're going to paint, you know, you got to take a blank canvas and put some paint on it. The hardest thing in the world is to look at a blank canvas or a a blank sheet of paper and say, I'll start tomorrow, because you never do. you got to do that first thing. Yeah, you have to balance it with your practice, and it never can encroach on your practice, and it doesn't have to take away from your practice. You can do more than one thing. We're doctors because we were intelligent. We were the people in our classes in college and in high school that stood at the top of the class. You know, we have the abilities to do these things. Why not indulge them? I would like to thank my guest, Dr. Russell Scott Anderson, radiation oncologist from Meridian, Mississippi, for joining us today and sharing his voice on Voices from American Medicine. I'd also like to thank the Mississippi State Medical Association for nominating Dr. Anderson to appear on the program. Dr. Anderson, thanks again so much. All righty, thanks. You've been listening to Voices from American Medicine on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals, featuring perspectives, challenges, and triumphs from physicians currently in practice on the front lines of healthcare. Voices from American Medicine is hosted by Gary Epstein.